I'll tell you what's neat, though. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, we're talking about giving. And the, 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 the premise for Paul's teaching was a missions offering. So again, it sounds like a coincidence, right? But we don't believe in coincidences. So I want to talk to you for just a little bit about giving and being the kind of giver that pleases God. I think every one of us in here, we want to please God. Amen? My goal in life is one day after I grow old, gray, and fat, okay, and have a bunch of grandkids and and all that other good stuff, is to, to go to heaven and have Jesus look at me and say, well done. Okay? Not, well, you're done. Well, no, 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 none of that. I want to hear, Brandon, well done. I want to hear, good job, Mo. I want to I, I hear that. And I think every one of us in here want to hear that as well. So, so let's look to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. And You know, anytime a preacher talks about giving, you start wondering, oh man, why are we talking about giving? Well, the reason we talk about giving is because Jesus talked about giving. Did you realize, and we shared this on my very first message of the year uh, when I talked about tithing and giving, that Jesus talked about money in 16 out of 38 parables. Let that thing sink in. One out of every 10 verses in the gospel has to do with money and possessions. Now, the Bible talks about, has about 500 verses on prayer. I think we'd all agree that prayer is important, wouldn't we? About 500 verses on prayer. About 500 verses on faith. How many think faith is pretty important? Mario, you think faith's kind of important? In fact, I read in Hebrews eleven six 6 that without it, it's impossible to please God. So I think that's pretty important. So 500 verses on prayer, 500 verses on faith, but over 2,000 verses on money and possessions. So guys, it's a pretty important subject. Jesus realized that you and I would struggle sometimes when it comes to um, giving, when it would come to giving of ourselves. Because naturally, we all of us as humans are selfish people. Now, Blaine, we try not to be. We try to condition ourselves to think about others. But at the end of the day, we all struggle with a little bit of selfishness. And many of you in here know that I'm an only child. My wife says that if you're around me long enough, you can figure that out. Okay, I have no idea what she's talking about, mom. No idea whatsoever. Okay, but uh, but how many know sometimes only children tend to be a little selfish. See, Megan, you had siblings, so you had to learn to share. Right. Okay. but but only children. Again, I I love doing this. How many other only children we got in the house? We got to stick together, y'all. If you're an only child, lift your hand. There you are. Hey, there we go. We we don't have many. Okay. Okay. Okay, uh, Hayden, it's not people who want to be an only child, okay? Or who act like an only child, okay? Us only children, Bertina, we got to stick together. I mean, we're in this thing together, okay? We're in this thing together, okay? We got we to gotta stick together, okay? But here's the deal. Um, we are, uh, Kristen, by the way, <laughs> my eyes are getting bad. I'm not only seeing not so good up close, I'm, I'm struggling at a distance too. But hey, um, We all need to stick together because here's the deal. Jesus knew that we would struggle sometimes with with giving. So let's talk about that for a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. I'm going to talk to you about givers who please God because we all want to please God. You know, the first thing I want to remind you is giving pleases God. God is a giver, okay? The very scripture that we all know so very well, John 3, 16, God so loved that he did what? He gave. He gave his only begotten son. He gave the best that heaven had to offer. So God is a giver. You will notice that your pastor never says we're going to take an offering. 
Because God's not a taker. God's a giver. So we receive an offering. We give you an opportunity to give like God has given to us. Now here's the deal. Giving pleases God. However, not every giver pleases God. Catch that. Giving pleases God, but not every giver pleases God. So let's talk about being the kind of giver that pleases God. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask right now, Lord God, that the truth of your word would sink deep into our hearts. Lord, I thank you for the generosity of this church. I thank you for the generosity of this, these people. I thank you, Lord God, that you've given us opportunity to invest in the Barbiers. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would help us to, to learn and apply your truth so that, Lord, we will see you do great and mighty things in us and through us. It's in Jesus' name I pray and everybody would say, Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Let's talk about that and let's look at that just real, real quick. I'm reading out of the King James Version. I'm going to read a scripture or two and then I'll, I'll expound a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Paul is writing to the Corinthians. Uh, he's writing to them concerning, actually he began this, uh, this uh, talk about giving and missions giving in chapter number 8. You can go back home and read that if you'd like. But I'm going to pick up in chapter number 9 when he says... For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you, of them in Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has provoked very many. See, the first thing we need to remember is givers who please God are ready to give. They're eager to give. Okay? You know what, guys? As I've grown in my relationship with the Lord, my eagerness to give, Seth, has grown. You know, I remember when I first began going to church, remember I tell the story of tithing. Me and my wife had the conversation about tithing and she said we were and I said we wouldn't and she said we were and I said we wouldn't and blame we started tithing. Some of you got that, okay? I didn't win that argument, okay? And I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't win that argument because she knew more than I knew. Wow, that took a lot for me to admit that, Okay. Some of you wives are praying your husband will catch that anointing. Okay, keep praying. All things are possible. But here's the deal, guys. She knew more than me, Pastor Tommy. She knew more. Okay? She had more understanding of God's word. And I'm so glad that I listened to my wife. Man, where is this coming from? This is not in my notes. Okay? Some of you guys are like, preacher, stop it. Okay? But there needs to be an eagerness to give. If we want to be a a giver that pleases God, and certainly we want to please God, we need to make sure that we have an eagerness to give, that we take opportunity to give, have a readiness to give. That's the first point. If you want to please God, you want to make sure that you're ready, you're eager to give. We should be eager to give to the Barbiers. We should be eager to give to missionaries. We should be eager to invest in the kingdom of God. Because as as Cody said, it's so very true. Every salvation, every spirit baptism, every life that was changed there in Kenya, you had a part in it. We have a part in it because we're investing in kingdom business. Amen? So number one, you need to have a readiness or an eagerness to give. Number two, read in verse three. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain on my behalf. As it is said, you may be ready. 
Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come unto me and find you unprepared, we, then we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before you and make up beforehand your bounty. Therefore, you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of your covetedness. You see, guys, also, if we're going to be givers who are, who are uh, pleasing to God, we need to not be caught unprepared. How many got, uh, how many have liked our Facebook page? Okay. If you liked our Facebook page, I put a little message on that. You know, when I posted that right after I prepared that part of my sermon, <laughs> I said, you know what? I forgot to tell them that I had a missionary coming because I normally make the practice the Sunday before we have a missionary ever reminding you, right? Well, it slipped my mind. Okay. So when I read that, I was like, you goofy dude, you forgot. So I got on there. Chantel was out of town, so I couldn't tell her to do it. So if it didn't sound as cute as she normally does post, it was because it was me. Okay? And by the way, I did about three different versions of it. So that was the final. That wasn't a rough draft. Y'all like, wow, preacher, you need help. Okay? I do. And she's sitting on the front row. Okay? But, uh, but I posted that because I wanted to make sure that there, you would not be caught unprepared. Okay, because if we're going to be givers that please God, we want to make sure that we're prepared, that we're ready, that we're not only eager, but we're prepared to give. See, Paul had been bragging on the Corinthians. Paul had been going, man, these Corinthian folks, they are givers. They're going to help meet this need. And he wanted to make sure that there wasn't egg on his face. He wanted to make sure that they would be prepared. So he had made preparation for that. So if we're going to be givers that please God, we need to have a readiness or an eagerness to give. We need to not be caught unprepared. Uh, the, The third point, and this is where we're going to camp out for a little bit, is verse number six. Paul writes, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Two big principles right here, and I shared them at offering time. Number one, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Now, obviously, does that work financially? Yes, it does. But it also works in every other area of our lives. Okay? How many in here think that they need some grace and mercy? Lift your hand. That's an IQ question. Okay? You might want to lift both of them. Okay? All right? I'd lift both, but I got a microphone. Okay? We all need grace and mercy, don't we, Blaine? Well, guess what? We ought to be sowing it. Okay, because according to this biblical principle, when you sow grace, when you sow mercy, what do you reap? grace and mercy. Now here's the thing, guys, we reap exactly, we reap what we sow. That's both a positive and a negative. Uh Uh-oh, it's going to get real quiet in here for a moment, okay? I apologize in advance for stepping on your toes. Guys, when we sow criticism, what do we reap? Criticism. When we sow bitterness, what do we reap? Bitterness. When we sow unforgiveness, what do we reap? You get the idea. Guys, that is a biblical principle. See, I've met people sometimes that they sow a bad harvest and then they pray that the harvest don't come in. Don't work like that. (laughs) It don't work like that. In this biblical principle, we sow, what we sow is what we reap. Okay? Now we can get excited about that for offering time. We can get excited about that, about grace and mercy. But it works in every area of our life. So friend, here's what this pastor is trying to tell you to do. You better watch what you sow. You better make sure you're sowing good things. You need to make sure you're sowing good seed. Amen? 
So let's challenge ourselves to make sure that we're sowing only good seed, that we're sowing blessings so that we can reap blessings. So we're sowing grace, we're sowing mercy. Of course it works financially, but it works in every area of our lives, both positively and negatively. You, you sow, what you sow is what you reap. And second principle here is you reap in proportion to what you sow. You reap in proportion to what you sow, okay? In fact, let me read this out of the study Bible, okay? Givers who please God give much and they reap much. In fact, when it comes to reaping, you reap exactly what you sow. Note that the picture here is of sowing seed. When a man plants the seed, the same is returned to him. In fact, much more is returned to him. A full harvest. This is one of the great principles of Scripture, but it must be carefully noted, okay? This works positively, it works negatively, okay? You got to make sure you're sowing good seed because the harvest is always greater than the seed that's put in the ground. Amen? Now, you can get excited about that when it comes to finances, but guys, be cautious of that because it works in every area of our life. We need to make sure as Christians that we are sowing nothing but good seed. Amen? Because not only do you see what you sow, what you, you reap what you sow, you also reap more than you sow. Verse number seven. A fourth reason to give, or to be the kind of giver that pleases God. Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Man, God loves a cheerful giver, okay? Here's just a couple reminder, a couple promises in, in the Word of God about giving that I just wanted to bring out. Proverbs chapter number 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of thine increase, so th- thy barn shall be filled with plenty, thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Proverbs 19 and 17. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto God. Did you catch that? When you give to the poor, you lend to God. You ever lent to somebody and they didn't pay you back? I heard a joke one time, Blaine, if you lend your brother-in-law $50 and he doesn't talk to you again, was it worth the investment? Now, I wouldn't say that because I love my brother-in-laws, okay? But there's a few folks you know you're thinking, man, if I lend them money, that might just get them out of my life, okay? But think about it, J.D., when you lend to God, how many thinks God pays his bills? How many in here think that God's good for it, Okay? J.D., you ever gave some money away and you knew you wasn't seeing that again? Absolutely, okay? But guys, when you give to the poor, when you lend to God, he pays his bills. He's going to pay you back, okay? Malachi chapter number 3, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there might be meat in my house. Okay, there's a command there. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Guys, there's a command and there's a blessing. Blessings follow obedience. When you do what God says, he blesses you for it. How about Luke 6 and 38? You've heard this before. Give, shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For the same measure you met with all, it shall be measured to you again. And finally, Galatians 6 and 7 reiterates what we just read in Corinthians. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So guys, these are some some promises that God gives us, okay? 
The giver who pleases God chooses in his heart, not grudgingly, but cheerfully to give to God. Okay? You're not compulsed to give. You don't have to give. You get to give. Amen? I don't have to give, Fabian, but I get to give. And I'm so excited about it. Okay? The giver does not give grudgingly. Okay? Today is April 15th, also known as tax day. Because it falls on a Sunday, I think we have till tomorrow, but for some reason we have till Tuesday. I don't know why. Okay, some government holiday that none of us get off. Okay? J.D., you don't get tomorrow off, do you? Didn't think so. Okay, but the government does. By the way, just between you and me, I I don't mind them being off. Okay? They don't cause as much humbug when they're not working. Okay? But here's the deal. When it comes to taxes, guys, that's giving grudgingly. Okay, I have a pretty good praise report of how God blessed us in our area with taxes this year, but I still owe the state of Louisiana a couple hundred dollars. Okay, let me tell you when I'm going to send them that check, May 15th. If I can go to May 16th, I'll send it then. Okay, I'm going to let John Bell Edwards wait on that money as long as possible. Okay, because I don't like giving tax money. I don't like paying, paying taxes. I just don't. Now, do I? Yes, because I like jail even less. Okay? I mean, I don't, I'm not condoning tax evasion here, okay? Get you a good CPA and, and, and then do what he tells you to do, okay? That's what we do around here. But here's the deal. When it comes to taxes, you're going to give grudgingly, okay? It's going to pain me to write that check to Department of State Department. It's like 10 words. It's crazy, okay? And, and it's going to hurt me even more to put 250-something dollars that I owe them. I'd much rather go buy me a fishing pole with it, Rick. Man, I could get me some nice stuff at Cabela. Well, not really for 250 but you get the idea. I'd much rather invest it in my ministry than pay taxes with it. But that's giving grudgingly. We don't do that. How about giving out of necessity? How many in here have lights on at their house? When you give to Clico, you give out of necessity. How many in here have figured out that's an argument you don't want to have? I remember in college, we had a young couple. Now, it wasn't Clico up in Monroe, it was Energy, okay? And he was having a discussion with Energy, and they were not seeing things his way. And he was saying, I'm not paying you till you get this straight. Seth, we came home from South Louisiana, and guess who was sitting on our porch? Him and his family. I'm like, Chris, what are you doing here? Dude, they turned my lights out said apparently they didn't see things your way did they man i hate arguing with them okay you don't argue with people that have the power to turn your lights out okay but here's the deal you give to them out of necessity okay we like air conditioning we like lights okay we we, we like those things so you give out of necessity but when it comes to giving god we, we shouldn't give grudgingly we shouldn't give of necessity we should give cheerfully You see, guys, as I've grown in my relationship with the Lord, my giving has become more cheerful. Okay? Why? Because I realize what I'm doing. I realize that I'm making investments. I realize that I can't outgive God. Amen? These are all great reasons to give. Now, those are the what's. Those are the, the ways that we can be pleasing to God in, give, in, in giving. Now let's just finish this chapter real quick and look at a couple more motives to our giving, okay? Because how many know you can do the right thing for the wrong reasons? Anybody ever did that? Okay. Anybody ever told somebody you're sorry and you wasn't really sorry? Okay. <laughs> Been there, done that. Here's the crazy thing about the Holy Ghost, though. He makes you do it over again. 
I don't know about you, but God don't let me get off that easy. He makes me go do it till I mean it. Okay. I've apologized to some people 29 times. Maybe because of the first 28, I was just practicing. Okay. Learn from your pastor's hard-headedness. Okay. So here's the deal. Let's look at some motivations for our giving. Verse number eight. And God is able. Now guys, look. I, I don't want to keep you till too late because we're going to be late tonight. Okay, by the way, bring you a little lunch tonight. Bring you a little snack because you're going to be in church for a little while. But guys, I could camp out with God is able. I could let Pastor Cody come back up here and talk to us for a couple minutes about how God is able, not just in, to do it here, but in Kenya and in Somalia and wherever we may be because God is able. Amen? When you grasp that truth, it changes everything. God is able. Pastor Crick. 50 years ago, realized God is able. And that's why we're worshiping today in this beautiful church. Because God is still able. Amen? Some of you are here today only because God is able. Guys, we need to realize that that not just in giving, but in every area of our lives, God is able. Look what he's able to do. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Boy, that's good. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Verse 9. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, with causes through us thanksgiving to God. You see, guys, the first motive for giving is to be enriched and blessed more and more by God. We are blessed in order to be a blessing. Amen? We are blessed so we can bless the Barbiers. We are blessed so we can bless missionaries. Some of you parents are blessed so you can bless your kids and you can bless your grandkids and you can bless others that the Lord lays upon your heart. We are blessed in order to be a blessing. Guys, that's the most important motive for giving. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed as we can bless somebody else. We've all heard it said it's more blessed to give than to receive. First time I heard that, I wasn't so sure about all that. Okay? But as I've given more and more and more, Seth, I've realized there's so much truth in that. You know, it's kind of like that saying when we had to spank our kids and you said, Hayden, it's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. Okay? And he went, <laughs> yeah, right, okay? But how many parents realize that when you have to discipline your kids, it hurts? It really does, okay? Now you kids are like, huh, don't look like, don't look like it hurt my mom much, okay? <laughs> Maybe you ought to help out a little bit, okay? <laughs> you know, you had a part in that too if you got your butt toe up, okay? But, uh, but here's the deal, guys. Truly, truly, um, those things are true, Okay? It's truly more blessed to give than it is to receive, okay? And when we realize that in the kingdom of God, it's all about giving. It's all about blessing. And we can be a part of a blessing. In a few moments when we receive a missions offering for the Barbiers, we're going to be a part of a blessing. We're going to be a part of a miracle, amen? We're going to sow into that ministry and we're going to believe great, great things to come of it. So guys, we are blessed in order to be a blessing. And it's really all just a matter of trust, It's a matter of trust, okay? Do you trust God is who he says he is? Do you trust that God is truly able? 
You know, I was, I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago, and they were telling me about, about some th- situations at their workplace. And, and, and I just reminded them, that workplace is not your supplier. God is your supplier. Amen? God is your supplier. Here's a couple more promises for you to lean on. Matthew 6 and 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. When you take care of God, he takes care of you. And in Philippians 4 and 19, one of my favorites here, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Why is that true? Because God is able. God is able. Amen? Another motive to give, and I'm almost done. Verse 12. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundantly also by many thanksgivings unto God. You see, guys, we are blessed so that we can meet the needs of others. We are blessed to be a blessing. The Barbiers and their ministry has needs. We are called by God to meet those needs. That is missions giving. Missions giving helps do this. It helps meet the needs. Man, when you saw that video... Man, you saw some of those houses. You saw the conditions that some of those people lived in. Those are dire situations. Those are difficult places. Man, think about all the needs in this world. Starvation, disease, loneliness, homelessness, um, um, uh, unclean drinking water. But you know the greatest need of all is salvation. The greatest thing that the Barbiers can offer the people of Kenya. Man, would education help them? Yes. Would clean water help them? Yes. They're going to do those things. But the most important thing they need is salvation. They need to know Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Do you know this week... I read that, that uh, Barna, who, uh, George Barner, who does surveys across the Christian world, found out that, believe this or not, 51% of church growers didn't know what the Great Commission was. Let that just sink in for a moment. Sherry, that look says it all. That's kind of the look I had when I read that, okay? My first thought was, George, you missed that one, okay? But then I realized that he, get, he doesn't just come up with these things. He does surveys. He surveys people, and he calls them up and says, hey, are you a Christian? If they answer yes, okay. Do you go to church? If they answer yes, then he asks them the question, do you know what the Great Commission is? Sister Josie, let that sink in. Over half of churchgoers did not know what the Great Commission was. They have no idea why we put these flags up there. Okay? Now, we're gonna, not going to ask you to name names of those countries because I can't even do that. Okay? But you know why? Because my coach who taught me those names was more interested in me getting blocking assignments down than figuring out what was going on in this world. Okay? And those of you that played sports know what I'm talking about. But guys, think about it. More than half of folks that are in church today don't know what the Great Commission is. I'm really glad to say that I think our percentage should be a little higher than that, wouldn't you? Okay? Because we have missionaries in. You have a pastor that believes in the Great Commission. We talk talk to you about the Great Commission. But guys, that's where missions giving is, right here. We're meeting the needs of others. That's a motivation to give right there. Third motivation, verse 13. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them unto all men. Motive number three is when you give, it proves that Christ is your Lord. 
You know, on the very first Sunday of our, 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 our year, I preached on tithing. I preached on giving. And, and if you weren't here for that first Sunday, we have some free CDs for you. Okay? It has, a, it has that message on it. You can come get one. It'll be on the front pew after service. But in it, it has a little card, okay? And remember, we did a tithing commitment, and I collected these cards. Why? Because I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you on a regular basis, and it's working. Did you know that right now we're on pace for the biggest month of giving since I've been your pastor? This month. So those of you that are thinking, oh, he's just preaching on giving because it's tight this month. No, we're on pace for the best month of giving since I've been your pastor, okay? So that means it's been a long time since we've been where we are right now, okay? But part of that is because it's working. When you do things God's way, he blesses you for it, amen? But on this little card I had you fill out, it says this, stewardship is lordship. See, guys, when you begin to tithe, when you begin to give to missions, when you begin to give offerings, you prove that you're no longer in control of your life. Some of you are like, my life's been out of control a long time. No, that's not the context we're talking about. We're talking about who calls the shots. We're talking about who makes the decisions in your life. Guys, when God is making decisions in your life, oh, it goes so much better. When God's driving the vehicle of your life, you won't make any wrong turns. Amen? So guys, stewardship is really lordship. Realizing that God is able. Amen? He is able to take care of us. He's able to provide for us. He's the boss. And then the final motive, and I'm almost done. Pastor Tommy, if you'll come. Verse 14, And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for this unspeakable gift. You see, guys, this is where love compels us to praise God through our giving. Love compels us. Love compels us to praise God through our giving. How many know love is a powerful factor? Okay? Love is a powerful factor. Man, it has compelled some of you guys to sell that deer lease, sell that bass boat, sell that four-wheeler. Okay? It compels you to do things. It compels you to change. Okay? Love compels us. You know what, guys, you've heard me say this before. You can give without loving. We do that with our taxes. We do that with our light bill. We do that in a bunch of ways. But you can't love without giving. If we say we love God, we're going to give to God. If we say we love missions, we're going to give to missionaries. If we say we love our kids, we give to our kids, right? Guys, what's important to us, Amber winked at her dad right there. That's timing. It's all about timing right there, okay? (laughs) And mom went, That was cute. I wish I could have videoed that, okay? But here's the deal, guys. Love compels us. Love compels us to do what God wants us to do. Amen? We serve a good God, friends. We really, really do. We serve a God that loves us more than we could ever imagine. And He gave us an unspeakable gift. You see, giving promotes giving. How many... uh, Here's a little secret of the Senecas... Around holiday time, Chantel buys all of our gifts. So when, when family members open gifts, Holly, I'm as excited to see what we got you as, as you are. Because I have no clue. Okay? And many of you guys understand what I'm saying. Hunter and Hayden, I'm, I'm as excited as you are. I'm like, whoa, he wasn't that good. Why we buy that? But, you know, when we're buying gifts, we also buy a few extra gifts. 
Why do we do that? Because when we go to family members that we don't often go to, and, and mom, my second cousin once removed, who I never really met, brings us a gift, we don't want to be caught empty-handed. <laughs> so we pull out a little thing of cookies or a little thing of popcorn, or some of you are like, you gave me popcorn last year. Get over it, pray through, okay? <laughs> but, but well, why do I tell you this story? Okay, the cat's out of the bag, so I'm going to have to do something different. But, but here's the deal. Giving promotes giving. Baby, and if you give something to me, I feel like I should give back to you. Well, guys, Jesus was the greatest gift that was ever given. God gave the best that heaven had to offer. And I think that in every area of our lives, not just financially, but in every area of our lives, love compels us to reciprocate. Love compels us to give back to him. Amen? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Every Christian praying. Service will be over in just a couple moments. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the Bible tells us in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The God that we serve today is a giver. He's always been a giver. He gave the very best that heaven had to offer. He gave Jesus Christ. Why did He give Jesus Christ? Because sin had separated us from God. Sin had come between us and a relationship with God the Father. And, 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 and there was nothing we could do to, to mend that gap, to fix that, 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 that breach. But Jesus came and He lived a sinless life and He gave His life at Calvary. And when we put our faith in Him, it changes everything. When we ask Him to come in our heart as our Lord and Savior... He comes in, He forgives us of our sins, and He gives us a relationship with the Father that is out of this world.